Vegetarian Matters, Advice, Hollywood, Abundance, and more with Brandy Taylor and special guest Our Lady J. Stay tuned. Our Lady J is a writer producer on the TV show Transparent. She is also the mother to a Chihuahua named Liberace and a classically trained pianist herself. I visited Lady J this week and had purple smoothies and purple glasses in her purple apartment. We were both wearing purple. You can find Lady J and listen to her debut album, Picture of a Man, at OurLadyJ.com. Lady J, who are you? Who am I? I know you through working for Transparent. For you working for Transparent. Oh. And me just being like a hobbit around the town. Well, I am a. I am from outer space. That's who I am. Welcome. Um, but you, you're asking what I do. Yes. How? Uh, that's different. How from do who you? I am. How do you want to be known to my <laughs> listeners? How can they know you best? What is important for them to know? Um, I guess if you're interested in like some sort of connection through pop culture, I yeah, I write for and produce for the TV show Transparent. I am. Um, the trans writer on the show. Are you the only trans writer on the show? I'm the only trans writer on the show. That's a heavy. That's a heavy load. There's a little bit of responsibility there. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. No pressure. That's fine. Just an entire community. Don't worry about it. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I'm glad the show's doing well because that feels good. Yeah, <laughs> you did a good job. Keep doing a good job. Thank you. Um, and but you also have another life as a musician. I do. I have a past life as a musician that I keep up during hiatus as well. Um, I was. Let me just tell you my story real quick. Please. So I'm from an Amish village in Pennsylvania. Uh, Two hundred people. Half them. Half them are Amish. The other half were cows. And. Um, but my family were actually evangelical. Mm-hmm. And so I started um, playing piano when I was really young. I was four because music was like a huge part of everything. And because there was nothing to do and I couldn't talk to the Amish kids because everything is really segregated. I just played piano all the time. And I got freakishly good um, because I have like um, some obsessive personality disorders mm. and I just practiced seven hours a day mm. and um, I ended up being shipped off to a boarding school called Interlocking Arts Academy really? in Michigan for high school. Was that and a dream come true? It was a dream come true. My piano teacher who would come up from Baltimore, Maryland, drive two hours to give me lessons for free what? Um, because he saw that I had something. Um he saw that I was really struggling in my town and I wasn't able to relate, so he helped me apply and get scholarships because there's no way my family could have afforded it. And that saved my life. So I went off and became a classical pianist, and I did that in New York City for years, and I played for American Ballet Theater, Mark Morris Dance Group. I was Mark's personal accompanist for years. No for, big deal. For like, him creating new works, and I really learned about art that way and storytelling. And um, they were great. Mark was really great to work with. Um, 
But when I transitioned, a lot of other companies that I was working for and working with, um, I would come in and um, they didn't know what I was doing. I think because transness back then wasn't on everyone's tongue. Like nobody, nobody, literally they didn't have the word for it. What year was this? This is like 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, People thought I was like doing a drag show or I don't know what people thought, but their reactions were really horrible. And um, just like... I stopped getting work. I, um, I, you know, encountered a lot of um, rejection um, around it, and so I started writing more. I had always written, and you know, at Interlock, and I was encouraged to write in college, but it became like more of a thing where I was like, let me, let me put like some of my my grief into my writing, and so I did, and then I realized that. I had to, because people didn't know what transness was, I had to include identity as part of my art. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't just, you know, I just wanted to be fucking Debussy, you know what yeah. I mean? I wanted to create beauty, and I didn't want to have to explain things, and like, because that can be so exhausting. And so um, I realized that just wasn't where we're at as a culture. So I, I started um, writing songs and then putting on these shows. And I took on the name Our Lady J because I was reading Our Lady the Flowers and it was about all these misfits and um, queerdos and, um, you know, it was the underbelly of society in France in the 1940s. And that's how I felt. And so um, I became a queer, I guess, like some sort of performance artist, cabaret type person. And I found that I was getting more work from that than I was in the classical world. So... I kind of dropped the classical thing, um, and um, it became like a part-time thing, and then performing became more of more my thing. And so I moved to L.A., and um, when I got here, I had people tell me that I needed to, like, um, learn how to dance and be more like Lady Gaga oh. and make pop music, which is, like, such the cliche that you yeah. hear in L.A., but and I love the are. sunshine and I love the silicone so much that I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make this work. So let's see what else is happening. And um, I started going out for some acting gigs and I went out for Davina on Transparent season one. I didn't know any of this. Yes. Okay. I didn't get it. No. That extremely talented, gorgeous actress, Alexandra Billings, got it yes. instead. And of course, I couldn't be mad at that. I fucking love Alex. She's She's been a friend. I've known her for years. Um and so I just stayed close to the project. I thought, you know, there's something on this show. I love this show. I want to do something on it. And I had met Jill, and um, and then I heard she was looking for a writer for season two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm a writer. I've never done television, but I've done musicals, cabaret, opera, you know. I have, like, so much poetry that I'll never even acknowledge mm-hmm. um, or show anyone. Oh, um, So... I wrote a short story overnight and I sent it to Jill as like kind of an audition for like, this is me as a writer. And then she asked me to join a workshop with six other trans writers. Mm -hmm. And so she taught us all how to write screenplays um, because she realized that there was really a lack of opportunity. It wasn't a lack of talent. It was a lack of opportunity in the trans community for um, this particular tool in making television so um, we all learned how to write TV. And then after the workshop, she called and she's like, would you like to be on the staff of <laughs> Transparent? And I 
I was in, I was actually across the street in another apartment and I was like, I just jumped up and down and was like cried. And of course, you know, and that just changed my life. Did you know that it'll be a life changing moment? Yeah, I did. Yeah. How has your life changed? Well, I have a purple apartment now. What color was your apartment before? Brown. Oh, that, that's a big life change. It's a big life change. You're around your power <laughs> color. I'm around my... I've entered my power. My my, my power sphere. Um, no, my life has changed in a lot of ways. Um, I feel much more connected to the community than I've ever felt because I do feel that responsibility to tell these stories. Um, and I feel, um, I feel empowered that my voice matters. I mean, I never felt that before, um, ever, you know, and especially, I guess, like being otherized and told these messages for so long that you're like, you're not worthy. Um, I really feel like that those shackles are loosening in a way that is um, just so transformative. Um, and yeah, I feel so lucky to have that. And I hope that I can I can spread that to other people through my voice on the show. Yeah, I think you do. It's so powerful. Thank you. It's such a big deal. I mean, Thank you. you know, it is a big deal. I feel it, and I feel so. I just honor that. You know, I feel like that. I hold that space in me, and I don't ever want to take it for granted. Yeah, I'm so glad it exists. I just, I really feel like everybody. People deserve to see themselves reflected back in the media they're consuming, and I feel so grateful that the show exists. Thank you. You know, that's the fun thing for me. It's like growing up in this Amish community. I became like a punk. You know, I was like a punk when I was a teen, and like because I enjoy rebellion. Like a punk punk. Like a punk punk. Oh I didn't. God. I wasn't into punk music. Mm-hmm. Like because of the classical thing, mm-hmm. I was like my ear was trained in such a different direction. Now I, I, I can listen to punk and appreciate it, but like. I was spiritually and like visually a punk, you mm. know, and I did like the whole Technicolor Mohawks and all of that. I was like more like glam punk, you know, like mm. East Village glitter punk. Um, In an Amish community, that 90s. sounds insane. Yeah, I went home. I would go home from high school or college on, on breaks and it did not go over well. Um, there were many years where things were not smooth in my family. Not like the smoothie. Yes. But what I love about the rebellion is that, like, we're taught that trans stories need to be a certain way now, even, like, you know, you need to fit in the binary. Okay, it's okay that you're trans, but, like, wear this and look this way and, you Mm -hmm. know, and do this and blah, blah, blah. And so I really enjoy rebelling and just, like, getting down to the authenticity because when you are your authentic self, like, that is an act of rebellion. We're in this culture and this society that teaches us we must conform and be like each other. And um, not just be like each other, but follow, you know, mm-hmm. follow this, like, global superpower yeah. um, of evil. <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, we lose ourselves in that. So it, that's that's a fun tool to have at Transparent is just to, like, really be like, you know what? Fuck you, world. I'm going to tell you this story that maybe you're going to be a little uncomfortable with. And I'm going to push those boundaries and... Um, the boundaries of honesty and like pull back the shades and show you like what it's really like to be trans not not just the pretty stuff but like the ugly stuff yeah that's what I love about the show like the show does not shy away from the ugly yeah yeah 
that's when I I was I got a contract to write a book and I was like, okay, this is my big chance. I need to take it to the wall. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm gonna. I was like, I feel like I need to be vulnerable in this to connect with people. Yes. So I'm gonna write down the most embarrassing, shameful thing I can think of yes. from my life and share that. And Which it was at the time it was like having a chronic issue of shitting my pants as a child. But just like chronic, like That's anywhere, amazing. always. Like people have like one story about that. I'm like, no, that was like a daily story. That was like a constant story. I had poop fear too. I had poop you anxiety did? often. Yeah. I would just like, anytime I went to a mall, I had to poo. Really? And I had to like just run into a ba- the mall bathroom. I yeah. like, I swear all my bowel movements when I was like 11 to 13 happened in a mall. That's so weird. It's like, like poo anxiety. So, but then no one talks about it. No one talks about it, but it happens, girl. It no happens. Chance. But at the no time, stigma. for time, I was like, <gasps> I was like, nobody knows about this. What am I, you know? So I was like, I'm going to write about that. But then that was the kind of thing where people, but it also made people be like, oh, your childhood was really fucked up. Like it was so fucked up that, that you were like. anxious. That yeah. Sounds, that gives me anxiety. Yeah. It was like your childhood was. I'm lighting a pipe right now. You're lighting a pipe. Anxiety. You're lighting like a, like a Gandalf kind of pipe, like a very elegant, long, Almost like the lady's long cigarette holder, except for at the end of it is not a cigarette. It's a, a beautiful, well, a beautiful shiny wood pipe. I was at the Renaissance Fair this weekend in full costume, and I saw this beautiful pipe, and I bought it. So I thought this would be a great time to use it. Please tell me about full costume for the Renaissance Festival. Mm. Are we done talking about your poop story? No. Oh, my poop story. But anybody, I feel like that's kind of that's kind of what you're doing on the. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not to call it a poop no, story. It is. But it um is. But like that idea that like you being vulnerable and writing about things that are so uncomfortable are the things that build a build a bridge between you and readers or watchers, whether or not they identify with other parts of your experience. Thank you. I think that's what art is. I think the more vulnerable you are, the more scary the story is to tell, the the more people are gonna connect to it. Yeah. If you really get to the root of it. And if you find, it's all about finding the love as well for me. Like, you know, there's a lot of anger and rebellion and, you know, that's something that you go through in the early stages of storytelling. Um, but then you end up otherizing people. You end up villainizing, you know. Mm-hmm. In Transparent, there are no villains. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. That's something I had to learn because there are a couple characters I really wanted to make into villains. Really? In, um, like in season two, I wanted Colton's parents to be villains. Yeah. They were based on my parents, actually. I wrote that episode. By the way, he lives where my parents live, in Overland Park. Oh, my God. That's that's where I'm from. Amazing. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Are they Overland Park people, do you feel? They are like a little more extreme. They're, extreme. they're, they're like a little more Kansas right. than my family. Well, my family, they're from Pennsylvania, so I guess they're more Pennsylvanian than yeah. Overland Park. But also my family's like Catholic and more mm, suburban, I think. Right. And they seem they seem closer to the evangelical mm. kind of country vibe. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Oh, but that exists in Kansas too. Okay. Good. But it's just not my exact parents. But yeah. Well, so I wanted to kind of villainize them because I just had a lot of anger that I hadn't dealt with. And my family's great now. We have a great relationship. And, and like I was challenged in the writer's room to just like see them as people and, and like flesh out their story and everyone in this show has problems but everyone also like has redemptive qualities as well yeah there are no villains and um in storytelling that's that's the biggest challenge it's like it's so easy to villainize yeah because you want to make an enemy but really we're all just in this thing together figuring it out right yeah 
And if you can extend yourself to think like, why did they make that decision? Right. That totally sucked mm-hmm. to me, but like, why did they do that? Right. Why did, why did that act of transphobia happen? That's fucking hard. That's a hard question to answer. Yeah. But I think when we get to the answer for that, we can actually have compassion on the people with the people. Like we can have compassion for Trump's America, which is like such a challenge, but that's the only way we're going to move through this. Like we have to see each other eye to eye. That's the only way my family and I were able to heal. We, we all had to learn to have compassion for each other. Yeah. Same. And it works. Yeah. I had Jill on the podcast last week and they, we were reminded about when, uh, they wrote this book called tiny ladies in shiny pants and there is a chapter in it called Brain Pickens mm-hmm. that's about how different people would, before Jill did Transparent, different people would take them to lunch and be mm-hmm. like, can I pick your brain? Or they would take them mm-hmm. to coffee and be like, uh, can I just pick your brain about Hollywood? Uh-huh. But so I, but, and that was annoying. So Jill actually wrote like a few pages of just Brain Pickens, freshly picked Amazing. and was like, follow all these things. And if you have any more questions after you listen to all this, then take me to sushi or something. That's hilarious. But so my question for you, Lady J Mm -hmm. is, do you have any Hollywood advice for young people? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't come to Hollywood. Not unless you really want to. Or aspiring writers, aspiring artists. Um, I'm, I think, um, Oh God, do I have advice? Of course I have advice. Um, it takes an intense dedication, um, to not only your craft, but to storytelling Mm -hmm. and to follow the doors that are open rather than the path that you have in mind, Mm -hmm. um, I think is really important. Um, remember you're a storyteller above all, whether you're a painter or a pianist or a singer you know it's all it's all about connecting to the human spirit and um i don't know the only way i was able to achieve any success was to put my own um self wants out of the way and look at where i fit in in the picture mm-hmm. and um that goes back to the music thing and like Sure, I love music, and it's my first passion, but, like, really, art is my passion, and storytelling is is it for me. And so I, I had to open up to other ideas, which is how I got into Transparent. And, like, the moment that I opened up to other ideas, like, my world, I, like, I became, I became abundant. Yeah. In riches. All the riches in Hollywood yes. were mine. Purple walls. And as soon as you open up to, to more than what you think you need to do. It's about mm-hmm. looking at where you fit in to the picture. So when you come to Hollywood, you know, gauge it, look at it, figure out where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Don't come with this idea, this is exactly what I'm going to do. having a feeling listeners may disagree with me for me i feel a little bit like tinder is forcing god's will like in the way where i feel like some of these people i'm just like maybe there's a reason we never met maybe there's a reason i never have socially crossed paths with this person like maybe we're not supposed to meet and i'm just god you're blowing (laughs) my mind and i'm just trying too hard you're right because then you meet someone from tinder and you're like 
you're hot and I'm really attracted to you, but we have nothing in common. Yeah, like there's no other way on earth that we ever <laughs> we would have, have no met. mutual friends. We have no mutual friends, but like we both know a lot of people. Yeah. And you have to have no mutual friends is really saying something strong yes, about like really... the choices we've both made. And then like, so maybe we were never supposed to meet. I just, I've, I've dated a couple of people off Tinder, like in a longish term way. Yeah. Where the later I'm, where I'm just like, why did I, I, I mean, no offense to them, but I'm just like, no, I've, yeah. I've, I've been very happy with, with, yeah. um, n- with, um, people I've met on Tinder. I'm going to say it's a good thing. All right. But it's I'm... hard to meet people, um, when you don't drink and yeah. I'm not like a nightlife person once in a while I'll go out. And so like online really is the best way. And I have met, yeah, I met, um, yeah, I, you met I some like good people Tinder. in there. I met some good people in Tinder. That's all I'm going to say. That's all you have to say. No, say no more. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I just wanted to float that idea. Well, this question is about Tinder. Okay. Dear Sagittarian Matters. I finally broke down and decided to try Tinder. I downloaded the app and discovered the Facebook requirement. Problem is, I don't really use Facebook except for occasional posts about my art. What the hell? There's no other way to get pics to Tinder profile except through Facebook? Plus, I have severe paucity of personal content there. Dot, dot, dot. By choice! Exclamation point. Help me, Tinder queens. Well, I'm not a Tinder queen. Um... Not on it enough to say that I am a Tinder queen, but as an occasional swiper, mm-hmm. I will say that um, I love Spotify for music, even though I'm a musician and they like fuck musicians yeah. out of money. It's just a great way to discover new music. And so I hate Facebook. I deleted my Facebook. I agree with all of that. I don't mm-hmm. have anything on the internet with Facebook. I not only deleted it. I had this plugin on Chrome that deleted all of the content on my Facebook. Wow. It deleted every single post, every single like, every photo, every friend. So I only have a profile with a fake name on it Mm -hmm. um, for Spotify and connected to other things like Tinder Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Facebook, like they use it for everything. Yeah. So... On my Tinder, I do have Facebook, but you can upload your own pictures on Tinder. You don't need to upload them via Facebook. Oh. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's part of the app. That's great. So, I just, I think. So that there you go. It had been so long since I had uploaded a picture on there. I was like, what? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, my advice was like, just upload some pictures on Facebook. No, you can just... upload them on Tinder without Facebook now. That's kinder advice. I was like, just get over it. Just post some <laughs> pictures on Facebook. What's the big deal? You can post, here's the, here's something you can do is that you can post, um, a picture on your profile that you don't want. It can just be like a color, like a purple square. Mm-hmm. And then you can post several other photos and make them only visible to yourself. Oh. And then when Tinder connects to that, it'll see those photos and you can use those photos. Mm-hmm. That's good. a little trick you can do too. That's a good trick. There you go. Hot tip. That's a good tip. All right. What's our other um, advice question? Um, The other advice question is from a mother, which I don't know how comfortable I feel answering this question because I am a mother. Yesterday was my first Mother's Day with my dog, Liberace. Thank you. I love him so much. He's sitting next to us, sleeping in between us. I like the idea of quantum leaping back into your past and comforting your child self. And saying it's like, powerful stuff. Here's what's going to happen. Well, that's what I did on season two with 
Maura regendering her photos. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that episode? She where took them. Davina had some photos mm-hmm. regendered and she saw, so she went over to her house to get them regendered. Yeah. And um, I was just looking at old pictures of myself. Um, a friend of mine, I was having a hard time making some decisions in life. Yeah. I was feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She's like, look at a picture of like your youngest, most purest self and ask that kid what they need and the answer will come to you. And it did. Really? I saw a picture of myself. I was like, what do you need? And she's like, I need some new hair. And so I like got one of those apps where you like a beauty app where you can put wigs on. Yeah. And I like put a wig on my younger self. I was like, okay, now what do you need? And she's like, I'm hungry. I was like, oh my God, I'm hungry. Like, I didn't realize in that moment that as a human being, and I was hungry. Like, I hadn't eaten for many hours. Yeah. It's just like everything became very apparent when I saw, like, my spirit as something that needed tending to. Yeah. And so I put my picture of, like, my regendered self on my wallpaper, on my phone, and just started asking myself questions all the time, my younger self. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm lost here as an adult. Like, life is hard. I've had so many messages along the way, like, do I do this? Do I do that? And I think that's why we're so indecisive so often. It's like, Mm -hmm. we get all these messages, oh, I should do this, but I feel like doing this. But like, I feel like our most pure, innocent spirit always knows what is best for us. That is like our goddess self. That is our our, our spirit center. Like your higher power. Totally. And so when you tap into that, like, it just becomes obvious. And so I started asking my younger self questions. Mm -hmm. And in a way, like... And then sometimes it's like, what do you, what do you need right now? And it's just like, I need to be held. I need to be loved. And Mm -hmm. so I just found myself like holding my younger self and like holding space. Um, It was so scary growing up in that town and not having anyone to reflect my identity, to not have the words um, to explain to people like who I was. And so um, a lot of that pain, that residual pain was there and, um, and I learned to heal that by by just imagining myself back there comforting that kid. That's huge. Yeah, it is huge. <sighs> it felt it felt and feels great, and I want to go do it right now. I'm like, like, I haven't done this for a little while. I need to check in. With oh, her. good. I need Look to at check a little picture. I'm like, what do you need? Yeah. This is like a nice practical way of reparenting oneself oh, and is. taking care of oneself. Yeah, that's what it is. It's reparenting. Yeah. Because I always think about that, and I'm like reparenting, and I'm like. Well, I'm feeding myself and I'm taking naps and I have a nice place to live. And yeah. What else? It's not just that. It's checking in. It's like, what do you need? Like, do you, do you need a hug? Do you, do you need to go play with a puppy? Do you need to go horseback riding? Oh you God. know, do you need to, like, take up a hobby? Do you need to, like, learn how to skateboard? Like, whatever. Do you need to go to a Renaissance fair? A Renaissance fair. And get yourself fair. the finest pipe. Yes. That is available at the Renaissance fair. Yes. And take up pipe smoking. This wasn't the finest pipe, this was, but it, this was one of the finer pipes. It looks fine. It looks very nice. Thank you. Okay, let's let's mismanage this mother's question. Okay. Let's, let's do our best. I'm going to try. Okay. Being a mother of Liberace. Liberace is my, nine pounds. My nine pound Chihuahua pug, who was six pounds when I got him a year ago. Oh, he's a chug. He's a chug. Pano's a Chamaranian. Oh. <laughs> A.K.A. a palm chum. Love it. I've been struggling with loneliness since becoming a mother. Oh, I'm sorry. Most of my close friends live out of state, and a lot of people bailed on me when I got pregnant or right after I had my kid. I don't know how to make friends as an adult, especially since I'm away, since I'm a stay-at-home mom. 
Several people have told me to join mom's groups, but I feel like I have very little in common with a lot of people. I feel like I don't fit into mom culture. I don't drink wine or coffee. I'm not married. I hate inspirational quotes. I'm an atheist and I like weird stuff. Do you have any suggestions for how to make friends? Okay, I'm going to approach this as a fellow weirdo. Okay. Rather than as a mother. Okay. As a little trans girl in an Amish town, I know what you're speaking of, honey, to not feel like you're with other people. But I also feel like that's... um, I hold that as a badge of honor Mm -hmm. when it's really... It's really one of my weaknesses, like my inability to connect with others. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a badge of honor as a kid because I was able to like sustain my identity amidst this this pressure to conform. And so, um, but it doesn't work like that for me anymore. Like it turns into loneliness. Mm -hmm. So this like badge of honor turns into this like dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So this this thing of like I'm weird. I don't feel like anyone. Now I'm alone in my apartment because I can't relate to anyone. Yeah, I would suggest looking at the people you're around and thinking of them as weirdos as well, who maybe you're just, you just don't know that they're weird yet. Maybe they're not showing their weirdness to you yet. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has a certain, everyone's a fucking weirdo, you know? Yeah. People are weird. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe ask yourself, am I using this as a way to keep myself away from people? Like this was, something that kept me safe when I was younger, but it doesn't work for me anymore or in another part of your life. Um, it sounds like feeling like you can't connect to other people is keeping you alone. Yeah. So how about drop that narrative for a second? Maybe, maybe you're not that weird. Yeah. Maybe everyone's weird and you're just another weird person and you just have to start by finding your commonalities. I think that's really good advice. I Thanks. think that's good. I the the idea of like chronic uniqueness, yeah, is something that recently I was talking to a friend that had some problems that I was like, oh, I go to some certain group therapy where everybody has that exact same problem, and she's like, what? Yeah, totally. well, wait a minute, what? I'm like, yeah, that served you well as a child. It's not going to serve you well as an adult necessarily. It doesn't. To be chronically unique is it does it keeps it keeps you lonely. Yeah, and you're either gonna like. You're going to get sick of it when you get sick of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sick of it. I'm not chronic in the knee. I'm a weirdo. Yeah. And like, for sure. But I find my other weirdos. And um, I know that's easier to say in Los Angeles than it is in other places. But even when I'm home, I'll find the cousin who is weird, you know, or I'll yeah. find um, the person the person at the grocery store who like, you know, we're everywhere. You you have to connect with people. It's It's an active... It's an active choice connection. Yeah. yeah. I just say that's one thing I miss about not having like a day job is that mm. you get to scratch beneath the surface and see how weird people are who you otherwise would never talk to or see. You know, like mm-hmm. some of the, my favorite people that I've ever worked with, if I saw them on the street, I'd be like, we have nothing in common. Culturally, we have nothing in common. Right. But then getting to know them through a work environment, I'm like, that person is so weird and I'm mm-hmm. so happy I get to know them. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Scratch beneath the surface. All right. Any last tips for young... Well, I often ask my interview cartoonists, and so I say for young cartoonists, but there are no young cartoonists. For young and old. For young and old. Young trans people. Young young, trans people. Young artists we've kind of covered. 
Yeah. Also, any beauty tips? Beauty tips? Oh, God. Um, work with what you've got. Lean in. But don't be afraid to change it, too. You've changed some things. I've changed a lot. You have a lot of glasses. I have, a, I have like, 12 pair of glasses. <laughs> um, I, I've done a lot of surgeries recently, a lot of gender-conforming surgeries. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to have this job to afford it, so I'm finally doing it. Um, it's unfortunate that healthcare doesn't cover these things. Um, but um, when you're transitioning, I think it's hard because you, you think, oh, I'm going to be happy once I get this done and once I get that done and once I'm over on the other side. And yeah, life is easier the more gender-confirming um, options that you have. But you have to learn to be happy in the moment or else when you get there, when you get to that choice, when you get to that, not that choice, but when you get to, to do that thing that you need to do, um, you're not going to be satisfied afterwards. I remember um, just always thinking, oh, I just wanted to have my body like this. I wanted it to be like this and this. And then I finally, I finally did it. Mm-hmm. And I realized the dialogue I had myself was like, I want this. It wasn't, it wasn't just that I want this. It was that I'm not going to be happy until I have this. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I wasn't happy after I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, life was easier, yes, for mm-hmm. sure. It was easier to slide into that happiness. Mm-hmm. But the same problems, you learn to dissociate whenever you place happiness in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, and you check out and you're not present. So it was a lot harder for me to be present. I was still in that cycle of disassociation. Um, and I had to learn to be present again. Um, so it's it's balancing fighting for insurance to cover things, mm-hmm. you know, saying the, these are life-saving options. Um, but at the same time, like... Until it is a reality, until it is accessible in this moment, like be patient, mm-hmm. be present. Um, it's not going to help to to place all of your happiness on that. I think that's great advice for anyone. That was long-winded. That's good. That's. I mean, I feel like we are doing a lot of Oprah work here. We're doing a lot of Oprah work here. This is good. This is like a very Oprah episode. Awesome. It's a lifestyle episode. It's very goop. It's very <laughs> My goop. version of goop. We got smoothies and pipes. Smoothies and pipes. Lady J, what is your sign? I'm a Leo. You're a Leo. Yes. We love Sagittarians and Leos are like Batman mm. and Robin. I read in a queer astrology book. When's your birthday? December 10th. Oh. Sagittarius. What do you think about Capricorns and Leos? Well, I don't know. I actually have a lot of Capricorn in my chart, as uh, people on the podcast right are. After you. They're yeah. probably very sick of hearing me say. I have a Capricorn uh, moon and rising. Okay. So I might be more Capricorn than mm. Sagittarius. I don't know. Because Sagittarius doesn't mind, like, building other people up. Like, it doesn't diminish us to be like, Leo, you're the best. Great, Uh, Leo, great. Yes, that's why Sagittarius and Leo get along. Leo's like, that's right, that's right, excellent. (laughs) But Sagittarius, but I don't even know if Capricorn even, like, has the... I don't don't even know if Capricorn has it in them to, like, look look up from their hard work to tell other people anything. So I don't know. I think you're right. Is that possible? Because Capricorns are just like, I'm working hard. I'm doing my thing. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I think. But I think Sagittarius is like, what's up, Leo? You know? <laughs> you're great. 
I'm great. I'm a Sagittarius. We're all great. This is awesome. Let's go have fun. Yeah. We're passionate. For yeah. sure. We're fire. Is Leo a fire sign too? Leo's a fire sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fire signs. But I, I feel lucky to have Capricorn grounding me. Mm. I have a lot of Virgo. In oh, me. really? Yeah, yeah. It seems similar. That's like, my grounding. Like a real Debbie Downer, kind of like a balanced, which yeah. I like. It keeps me. I was thinking like you playing the piano as a kid is your way of do. I mean, that's. A, you remind me of Nina Simone. It just sounds like, it's oh. like so much like Nina Simone's story. I love her story. Of being such a beautiful classical pianist. Um, but also, you could have been a great cartoonist. Thank you. I yeah. was a, a drawer when I was a kid. Oh my God, that's another thing that you could have isolated yourself with. That's what I wanted to do more than music, actually, for really? a period of time, yeah. Well, if you ever want to have a third act in your life, where I you do paint, I paint, um, and I draw, and oh. yeah, I have an easel. And oh my God. I love charcoals, um, but it's not something that I ever really pursued. Yeah, it's something that rounds out my your my practice. Art, my practice. Mm. Well, Lady J, thanks for being on Sagittarian Matters. Thank you for having me. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast, or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of Stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts, because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday, and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever, but in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support, and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. Thank you this week to Shoshana Wechter. Thanks for being part of Ponyo's Inner Circle. Brandy Taylor is my favorite witch and my birthday twin. That means she's a Sagittarius. Brandy came to give advice this episode straight from her candle-making studio in Portland, Oregon. You can find her, buy candles, and schedule an intuitive reading at magichourastrology.com. And this originally came in for Our Lady J, who is the guest this week. However, it came in too late, and I feel that it is advice that you could speak to. Great. As a performer, we're not performers, but we're going to do our best. As a performer, have you ever <laughs> or do you still struggle with jealousy or anger or disappointment when your contemporaries are booking things you've wanted? Do you have advice for overcoming feelings of scarcity? So we could apply this to either of our art forms. Mm-hmm. You make yeah. candles. You do psychic readings and intuitive healing readings. Mm-hmm. I do comics and teaching. I mean, I and I do performance things. So right. the, sen- the essence of this is as a marginalized person... How do you overcome feelings of scarcity? And do you struggle with jealousy or anger or disappointment when other people get good things? Right. I think there's there's kind of a different um, air of this question, too. It sounds like maybe somebody else booked a thing that they wanted to book in the question. So it's kind of like, 
hey, we need a queer, you know, artist to fill this bill. I'm going to go to this person. Oh, no, I'm actually going to go to this person. Whoever, like, texts you back first. Yeah. Kind of sounds like that in that in that call, which is, I feel like, one side we could answer. The other side we could answer is, you know, hey, I'm an astrologer, and so are lots of other people. Um, why did they why did they choose to go with this person to write their monthly horoscopes and not me? That seems like a larger kind of question. And that's like it's interesting because the question also talks about scarcity, which I could talk about for a whole episode. But um it's like if if the person is talking about too, like why did they get all the break like why do they why are they getting asked to do these things and not me? Right? And like it's only so much to go around. How how are we gonna do this, right? it seems like there's just a mind shift that kind of has to happen. And um, this is challenging, especially if you are prone to scarcity mentality as anybody who grows up as a poor person or as a person who doesn't have enough or anything else around that, especially when it comes to money and access and things like that. Right. And success. Right. So that's usually like, if you're starting from that, like there's not enough, it's challenging to get to like, there's more than enough. Everyone will get their, you know, time. This is the right person for the job. Like that, it's a huge jump. So what I kind of think about with this too is like, you know what? Like, hmm, I want to teach a workshop about um, Venus. And I have all these awesome things to say about Venus, right? Well, let's say somebody else comes up and is like, oh, and I see them at my local thing where I usually teach workshops and they already have a workshop about Venus, And I'm like, oh, great. That person also heard the call from Venus and was like, hey, I want a workshop. Here's my information. It's kind of like in magic. We think about it like this. It's like everything's kind of floating in the collective like consciousness and people are going to pull those things out. Right. And like nobody has the same information. Right. So my my stuff about Venus is not going to be the same about Nicole's stuff about Venus. It's just never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that, like it's. It's up, it's out here. It wants to be made. Who's listening? Who's tuning into that frequency? Okay, great. Pick up the phone. Great. You did that. Perfect. It doesn't mean that it has to be um, exclusionary to that person. You could also pick up the call and be like, great. Here's the information that I have. And no one's going to draw just like Nicole. No one's going to give a reading like me. There are plenty of astrologers and readings out there. Nobody, you know, people are going to make candles. That's great. People are going to do all kinds of things, but nobody has your talent and your gift and your message, even if they pick up the same call from whatever it is kind of out there in the universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you say more about overcoming scarcity? Uh, Well, yeah, Um, this is, I think, uh, a life's journey. I think also like, I mean, sometimes like my quest for serenity or, you know, whatever that is might be your life's journey as well. But like undoing scarcity mentality is healing your bloodline because if you were born as someone who didn't have enough for whatever reason that is and your ancestors didn't have enough etc 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 this is something that is like it's a karmic thing for us to heal if you're willing to do it and it is healing not just for you but for your entire bloodline and um it's like it's kind of like a default like i think about like when i read people's charts it's like that's like your factory settings right scarcity mentality i think for lots of people especially if they were born without access or without with very little privilege um is it's our default it's our factory setting 
And I have to work every single day at helping to heal that scarcity mentality, whether it's like, oh, my God, somebody made something that looks just like what I make. And then the feelings of jealousy or rage or whatever the fuck they might be kind of come up. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, that's that person's magic or that's that company's magic or whatever. Not to cut that down. Don't reply to that tweet. Don't do whatever. Like, I got to focus on my shit. I want to focus on, like, what I'm putting out into the world and making sure it's the most beautiful and inspired and, you know, um, healing thing I can possibly make or possibly do. So it it's distracting and whenever you're plugged into somebody else's thing and have those feelings of scarcity come up that's just compare and despair and you know that always leaves you with the short end of the stick and that scarcity mentality it wants to keep you in that sort of fight or flight it's like you know it's like it's a root problem so it kind of keeps you in that sort of higher anxiety or you know why do they get this and not me it's that constant comparison and that's just not that takes you away from your art and away it takes your focus off of you and your own life and puts it on somebody else and that's a disservice for our world because that means that you're not bringing your awesome gift through i gotta say i like to think often about caesar milan and oprah winfrey oprah is caesar's ideal of a calm assertive leader and caesar milan (laughs) is then my ideal of a calm assertive leader but like do you think that oprah winfrey is like losing sleep over other people who have talk shows no you think caesar milan is getting whacked out when other people are dog trainers no because they each are very specific people with specific gifts and they both believe in abundance and i'm so glad that their art exists in the world their art i'm so glad that their things exist in the world and that they're not that caesar milan and oprah winfrey neither of them are like tweeting bad about other other dog dog trainers and tv hosts Right. That would make me like them less because instead they're focusing exclusively on their brand and their thing. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you we're only here for a limited amount of time. So let's try to use our energy for our own gifts and, you know, applaud people who are out there doing something that's similar to you because it's actually just only going to help you anyway like lifting somebody else up and being like hey proud of you for landing that cool thing or doing that speech or whatever the fuck it is doing that workshop like that is only gonna make that person feel good which then also helps you feel good so it's just a different shift and it takes work to undo the thought in your brain that says there is not enough to go around there's enough there's actually more than enough and if you're a queer or marginalized person, as you can see, the playing field, the, the board, the field of play is getting expanded every day for, for people that have otherwise been marginalized or unheard. So, you know, have faith that more opportunities will come around. True. Absolutely. And uh, someone needs your gifts. So, uh, or, you know, tons of people need your gifts, but you know, somebody needs exactly what you have to say and wants to hear what you have to say. And it's going to be the thing that they actually will resonate with. So just know that like you have an audience, your audience isn't going anywhere and it's not getting smaller. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.